Welcome back to Back to UL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Coming up in about 20 minutes, Kelly Ford will talk college football bowl season. But first, we've gotten to get some college hoops. Joining us now to do just that is Isaac Trotter from 247 Sports. Isaac, thank you so much for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. Let's jump into what happened last night. UConn against North Carolina, top 10 matchup there. The Huskies win 87-76. to As far as Final Four and National Championship possibilities, what did we learn from that game that we can project going forward for both teams? Yeah, I think for UConn, uh, there's kind of this narrative of how hard it is to repeat, but this team has lost its three best players. They all go pro, and they haven't missed a beat. And I think that says a lot about what Dan Hurley has built. And they are very they, – they don't play a lot of isolation basketball. It's, it's very team-oriented, connected stuff. They run a ton of sets. They're one of the best coach teams in the country. And I think you saw that against North Carolina. They just sliced and diced that defense apart and got kind of wherever they want, whenever they want. And the best part about UConn long-term is, you know, what we have to do in, in March is you got to find a way to win six different games. And I think UConn has six – seven, eight different chances of, of how they can win basketball games. They can win it with Tristan Newton being the alpha. They can win it with Cam Spencer being a two-way guy. They can win it with Alex Caravan being one of the top power forwards in the country. They they have Donovan Klingon, who's who's elite. And Steph Castle still isn't back yet, a five-star freshman who's one of the best youngsters in the country. So I just feel like they have a lot of different scenarios and ways that they can win both defensively and offensively that, that make me feel really good about March. And, you know, with, with North Carolina – you know, this is a team that they're getting really good play out of out of a couple guys, R.J. Davis and Harrison Ingram. We know what those faces look like, and Harrison Ingram's been really good, but they can't reach this tip of the top ceiling if Armando Baycott to keep missing layups and Cormac Ryan can't hit threes. Both those guys are fifth-year seniors, and Baycott's shooting 53% on layups this year, one of his worst marks of the season, and Ryan has been 25% from downtown. He's one of the best snipers in the ACC. So I, I like what UNC has. We've seen them be really potent. We see what they've done, done against Tennessee. But I still think they have another level they can get to when their vets start playing up to par. Uh, Isaac, another notable game from last night. How about the Illini and FAU? The over gets smashed. Illinois scored 59 in the second half of that game. Any uh, any takeaways that uh, you figure are noteworthy? Yeah, for me, I thought Illinois was going to be an elite defensive team this year. And we've seen pieces of that be really, really good defensively. But I think their offensive process is a lot better this year than what it was in the past. They are huge. Like they are six foot six, six foot seven, six foot eight, six foot six, six foot eleven. That's their starting lineup. That that's a really big team. And so I think if you're looking to attack Illinois, you're trying to find those teams with small guards. And FAU has small guards guards no in their backcourt was over six foot four and illinois played a lot of booty ball last night where they just go isolation in the mid post and go to work and and that's going to be the recipe moving forward for this group and i think that's an angle to attack with illinois now i'm in chicago you can't bet on illinois in chicago but that's an angle yeah. to look at moving forward with them is those big strong teams against teams that have smaller mismatches in the Big Ten are going to be really invaluable for Illinois. And you can go through all of these Big Ten teams. Michigan has a five foot ten point guard. Indiana has multiple guys under six foot three that are going to play a lot. We've seen Michigan State has a really small backcourt, so they're going to have opportunities to do a lot of the same things they did offensively last night. Again, moving forward in Big Ten play. I'm jealous. I can't bet college player props, but I know many can. And for those who can, uh, tell us a little bit about your process and what angles you're locked in on. 
Yeah, I think college basketball props is probably the softest market out there. It's really interesting, especially in the days where you see games happen day after day, especially during Feast Week when you got to see like a team play on Tuesday, then they play on Wednesday, then they play on Thursday. I legitimately was very curious because I didn't feel like the the Lions had any idea what they were doing from the player prop perspective. One night you have a guy at seven and a half points as his prop. The next night it's 13 and a half and nothing has changed. And so that's like, that's like the, the variances that you can kind of attack from a market perspective. And, you know, I think there's some really good websites out there that you can use to your advantage. I think Bart Torvik does a really good job. And for me, when I, when I go on the, the prop market, I'm looking at, you know, just the pure volume. I'm not trying to chase efficiency. I'm looking for volume. And so I look at like shooting splits, um, which teams allow the most points at the rim, which teams allow the fewest threes, which teams are are really giving up a lot of efficiency at the rim when they do get there. You know, and so today or tomorrow, a good example, Iowa State plays Iowa. Iowa State has elite rim defense. They allow the fewest shots at the rim. So for me, in my process, I go look at Iowa I look at for the guys on their thing. I look for the usage rates, who has the low usage rates and which guys are mostly shooting most of their shots around the rim. They're not going to get a lot of those against Iowa State. And I think it leads to some advantageous angles in the prop market. So I, I think college basketball props is a really interesting spot because there's great data out there that you can get for free if you're looking for it in the right places. Um, but it's also tough because you can get limited very easily as well. And I think that's a I think that's a real angle that you have to talk about. Like that's a legit part of the equation here that like it's a little bit of a niche market. And so if you're coming in hot and you're riding on on college basketball props or you're locking in on A10 basketball, or you're locking in on Big 10 basketball and you're really get a feel for these teams on a day in day out basis, I think you kind of have to mix up your portfolio a little bit too to to try to be able to place action at that book. So those are the things that I I keep looking at from that perspective. Uh, that's some really sound advice. And Bart Torvik, uh, great website, great resource for sure. I look at it all the time around this time of year. So definitely appreciate that. I'm curious too, you mentioned trends uh, that you look for. You mentioned rim protection in your example. Are there some trends that you think are more predictive than others when it comes to looking at props, whether it is uh, limiting three-point attempts, rim protection, things like that? Absolutely. I, I, that's the, the two that I think that I look at the most. Uh, and it's really based around ball screen defense. A lot of teams are playing a lot of drop coverage right now, which means that, you know, they have a big man lurking in the middle of the paint. Their guards are going over the top of screens and they're trying to limit three point attempts and they're trying to limit shots at the rim. And you see that on Bartorvik where they have like this section called long twos. And like, that's where you start to see a lot of like, those are the shots that they're trying to force. And so in the prop market, like, I think that three-point volume is super, super valuable. This is not the NBA. You know, this is a 30-second shot clock. It's a 40-minute game. It's not 48 minutes. It's not 24 seconds. The volume, the pure raw number of possessions are down. Under one and a half threes has been a really, really valuable prop for me this year. When you're finding those teams, Creighton doesn't let you get a lot of threes off. Illinois does not let you get a lot of threes off. You know, let me pull up the numbers here again real quick. Uh, Maryland is a team that does not get, get off a lot of threes. They play Penn State tonight. Penn State, Zach Hicks, all he does is shoot threes. And so Maryland's super locked in on the, on the scouting report. That's an interesting prop that you could look at where you're trying to find out, like, those guys that, hey, if you're only play, playing, you know, 28, 29 minutes a night and four attempts from three, you're averaging four attempts from three, your average prop is usually going to be one and a half. And if you have a team like Maryland who's taking away the threes and running you off the line and you're only getting three attempts, I'll take that math. 
I'll take that math. And so that's where I'm looking forward to it in the prop market. It's like you can you can find some interesting angles where teams like if you start to get a real feel for how they want to defend you, like you, you kind of know what shots they're trying to give up and what shots they're not. It doesn't it's not foolproof. It's not going to work 100 percent of the time. But I think that's like mm-hmm. the smarter analysis of, of basketball and, and like watching the game and kind of understanding what they're trying to give up and what they're not and how you can attack that from a from a props perspective. Uh, what about the big game tonight? We've got Texas Marquette. I'm seeing eight, eight and a half Marquette favored total of 150 and a half. What do you think? Yeah, it's a, it's going to be a really good game. I'm actually heading up to Marquette tonight to cover that game. And, you know, I think it's interesting, you know, for, for Texas, you, they don't have Dylan DeSue back yet. So it's kind of been an all, man's, all, all hands on deck approach for them. They have five or six guys that can be the leading scorer on any given night. Uh, for me, I, I'm looking at Tyrese Hunter over 10 and a half points is an interesting prop that I'm eyeing. Marquette uh, gives up a decent amount of threes because a big part of their game plan is doubling post-ups. Tyrese Hunter is a Wisconsin kid, kind of gets to go back home. Ten and a half is his prop for a guy who's had moments where he's their alpha dog. That's an interesting one for me, too. And, you know, that's the other part of, of this process, too, is like you have to look at usage rates. I think that really, really matters. And so for a team like Texas, they have a bunch of different guys in that 20 to 24 percent usage rates, which kind of basically means like they're kind of splitting the ball pretty much equally. It's not like a Purdue situation where Zach Eady has the ball 35 percent of the time, 33 percent of the time. Like it's a very different conversation. So Tyrese Hunter is I think he's fourth on the team in usage rate, but they're also bunched together. So, yeah, he has the fourth highest prop of his own on his team. Team, but he's a guy who can easily be the number one on any given night. So I think he's going to get good looks from three tonight. And I think that that up-tempo scheme that Marquette plays, they really want to play you, speed you up and play you fast. And that's kind of where Tyrese Hunter can go to work against. I think I think he'll have some advantageous matchups too when he's going up against some of Marquette's smaller-ish guards. Like they will really hound you on the perimeter, but they don't have a ton on the back end. And Tyrese Hunter can finish over anybody at the rim. What futures have you placed? Any interest in the futures market here? I I have. I, I have been really interested in the SEC. I think the SEC is super wide open this year from just the pure SEC perspective. You know, everybody kind of coming into the year thought Tennessee was going to be, you know, maybe the best team in the league. And and I still feel like that, even if they've taken some losses. But I think the middle of the SEC is is pretty darn good. And a lot of teams have taken some early season losses that don't don't look that great, to be honest. But for me, Auburn, I think they're 12 to 1 at certain books to win the SEC. That's the seventh longest odds in their in their um in the league that doesn't make sense to me i think this is one of the top three or four best teams in the league they're excellent they're deep they're one of the deepest front courts in college basketball janai broom is a load jalen williams averaged about 15 points a game last year aiden holloway five-star freshman can really shoot the cover off the ball and denver jones had a coach tell me he was the best scorer in, in Conference USA last year outside of Jelly Walker, who made a big name for himself in March. So that's a team that's super, super interesting to me because I think they have all the pieces. For, they can play different ways. They have depth. They have eight, nine guys. They have an awesome home court advantage, which I think plays a huge, huge role as well. So that's a team, seventh longest odds for an Auburn team that I think might be the third best team in the league, maybe second, and has a chance to push a Tennessee team that's a little bit more flawed than I initially thought. That, that's an interesting one for me. What about in the Big 12 Conference? Uh, per bet MGM, Kansas uh, leads the way at plus 210, which is predictable. But Houston plus 275, certainly in the mix. Baylor getting some attention at 6-1. to one. Anything there top of the board or someone in the middle, could they be lurking? 
Yeah, this is a very interesting league to me because I don't have the numbers in front of me for a second. It popped off, but I do think it tends to be, you know, I think Baylor's going to be a little bit overvalued, to be honest. That's a team that uh, they're undefeated. They've played well. I think they have the number one offense in the country, according to Ken Palm, and they're starting to play defense a little bit better, but I still, they still leave me wanting a little bit more. That's not that's not the oldest team in the league, and that's not the team. It's they're, they're they're a very unique team. And the other thing too with Houston, that's another team I think everybody feels great about. I, I'm a little bit worried about their shot diet. They shoot a ton of jumpers. What does that mean on a, in the Big Twelve on a night to night basis? That leads for high variance options. When your jumpers aren't going in, you're not getting shots at the rim. You're not shooting a lot of free throws. That can lead to some issues. And you know they're going to rely on defense. They're going to rely on offensive rebounding. But I feel like in the in the Big Twelve right now, it feels like a lot of people are saying, "Oh, it's Kansas, it's Baylor, it's Houston." And I think there's some check engine lights on for a couple of those teams that could open the door for some teams in the middle to start playing better because Oklahoma has really impressed me in the early going. That's a team that crushed it in the transfer portal. Cincinnati is a new team coming up that's really, really has a deep, deep roster, especially in that front court. BYU is a wagon right now. I'm not sure how legit it is. I think they're six nationally mm-hmm. on Ken Palm, and that feels a little bit a little too rich for my blood at this point, but I think the big 12 is a little bit more wide open than when we initially thought, because some of the teams at the top, I do think aren't quite as, you know, dominant as all. And I think, I think this league's so good that they, they're going to pick each other off, which could lead to openings in the middle. Uh, it, it's early, but I want to take a look at Saturday because it's the first Saturday. I think people are going to really turn their attention over to college hoops with the, uh, the college football, for the most part, wrapping up last week. You've got uh, Wisconsin and Arizona and then Illinois and Tennessee. We were talking about Illinois a little bit earlier. Now, Ken Palm has these numbers. Arizona favored by six, or at least beating Wisconsin by six, and Tennessee by five over the Illini. Any initial thoughts uh, on those two matchups? Yeah, I think uh, the the Illinois-Tennessee game, I'm interested to see what that that over-under comes out as because – I think both these teams are can kind of dial back into their defensive roots. They, they really schematically, what Illinois did to FAU, I don't think they'll be able to do to Tennessee because Tennessee is a whole lot bigger. So I think that could also lead to an under. Dalton Connect has been phenomenal for Tennessee this year. Excuse me. Uh, but Hello. there's also a chance. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I think someone's – that's annoying. They're saying Anyways, don't bet the uh, Illini game like, since you live in Illinois. That's They're calling to tell right, exactly. Uh, with, with Wisconsin and Arizona, I think what we have is a, a very different matchup too. Arizona will play fast. Illinois is, or Wisconsin or Arizona is really aggressive in transition. Wisconsin is playing a little bit differently this year with AJ Store, but they're not as deep as they used to be. And I thought coming into this year, Connor Seijin was going to be a really big piece of them. I, I'm worried about Wisconsin's firepower against an Arizona team that I think can score at a lot of different levels. Uh, Arizona has great guard depth. They have great ball pressure. Uh, their wings are really, really good. And Wisconsin can get a little bit thin when a Asijin, I mean, Asijin got iced out of the rotation. He's at four minutes a game right now in the last few few outings. And, and that was a guy who was potentially the Big Ten freshman of the year last year. So I'm a little bit worried about Wisconsin. You might be able to get Arizona in a good not- line. If it's five and a half, I think that makes a lot of sense for Arizona because that's a that's a team that's not going to struggle to score against anybody. And I'm still a little bit worried that Wisconsin – you know, they beat Marquette. That's a really good win. They go on the road. They beat Michigan State. But Arizona is a completely different animal. Good stuff. Isaac Trotter from 24-7 Sports, thank you so much for your time. We'll let you answer the phone now. We greatly appreciate it. This is Becky Ball Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Kelly Ford tells us if Florida State can regroup and win its bowl game after getting snubbed from the college football playoff. That's right here on the BetQL Network.